Hi, my name is Jackie McConville and this is the Females in Basketball podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Females in Basketball podcast. And I am your host, Brian Green, but more important, please welcome my guest. Her name is Jackie McConville, who is the Operations Manager of Basketball South Australia. Welcome, Jackie. Welcome. Thank you. How how does it feel to be on a podcast? Have you done many of these before? I haven't done a podcast before. This is very interesting. I just welcomed you to your own show, so... (laughs) Good start. (laughs) That's completely fine. (laughs) We'll start where we always start. And I guess, how did you get into basketball, Jackie? How did I get into basketball? Um, I was a netballer. So I was a netballer first. Um, I reckon I started netball about the age of five. I reckon I played softball next in about year three. I reckon it was my school netball coach who also coached basketball. So shout out to Val T, I reckon. I reckon she got me across into basketball through the school sports teams and then it grew from there. So it was just about trying something else, obviously netball, very similar sport um, as in a ball sport and then, yeah, I think that was the crossover point for me. So it was a bit later. I was probably 12 or 13 when I started basketball. And why did you love basketball so much? I mean, obviously you would end up getting a career in it and, you know, going very far in it. So what um, stood, out, stood out about basketball compared to all the other sports that you were playing at the time? Yeah, it is different. I also did calisthenics for a long time as well. <laughs> so grew up in the country. So it's one of you get, you get I guess, more opportunity, I think, to do lots of different things. There is, I think, basketball... Um, It gives you a network and it gives you a community straight off the bat. I think um, just the connections with, you know, your boys team, girls team um, got exposed really quickly to the combined sort of teams in Port Pirie, so that's where I grew up. Um, And then I had mentors straight away. So I had older girls and, you know, coaches and really fantastic role models in this network of yeah, players, coaches, referees really quickly. So I think for me it was just that um, there was far more um, connections that that I was able to make really quickly through basketball that perhaps didn't present um, in the other sports. So does that help being welcomed, I guess, so early? I imagine just having those connections. So was it I thought I can go far in this or were you just so, you know, loved by the community? You want, I want to be part of this more. Uh, it's a funny story actually because um, – I, back in Port Perry, it was, I think it was the big six or big eight and then it was maybe country basketball league by the time I was involved. But my first exposure to the country basketball league was actually, I did a ribbon dance as like the cheerleaders oh, really? of, the, of the team. And I'd only just started training in the combined squads under John Gillies and a few people out there, I dare say, will know his name from um, the basketball uh, community. And... It was my dad went up to him and he was talking to him and then he realised that who I was and he just sort of made a comment that oh, I'll be playing before too long in this in this league and and he was right and he um and you know I worked towards that and 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 debuted I think it was fifteen when I debuted in the in the seniors and um yeah it was just an opportunity the atmosphere the the pathways were there um, something to aspire to straight off the bat and being a white line fever competitive <laughs> sports person. Um, yeah, it, it was just something I, I just fell in love with, basically. So white line fever did run in your blood a little bit, did it? Oh, very much so. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, I guess. Anyone that has played against me or, or knows me is, um, yeah, 
that's very much who I am. <laughs> so I guess the other big elephant in the room is why operations manager? I mean, it is a very important role, it must be said, but at the same time, it's very uncommon. You know, not many people would know you know, the day-to-day work. So why did you get involved? How did you get involved? How did that story come about? Uh, The operations manager role um, came about, it's a newer role in um, Basketball South Australia. They haven't had this level of management in their organisation structure all that long. So I'm probably six months into this role. Um, And when I saw the job advertised, I guess my background is uh, I was nearly 18 years in the federal government Um, services. So, um, similar sort of operational management roles at executive level um, in federal government, so across Centrelink, child support, Medicare, those types of services. Um, So, I had built a career in, um, I guess, operationalising government services. And when this role came up, it just very much presented as a bit of a uh, dream mix of professional skills and personal passion from a sport and professional perspective and, yeah, applied and was successful and here I am today. So, yeah, very um, opportunistic and timing was just perfect for me to make, a, I guess, a career change and step into an industry that, you know, I've grown up in. It's a massive industry change as well. It must be said going from the government into basketball. Can you... Can you explain like some of the differences or why did you want some of that change? Because that is, that's a huge change. Yeah, it is different. It is very <laughs> different. Um, I guess uh, for me, I'm very passionate about what I do and um, to see an opportunity in a sporting environment. Um, I've lived and breathed sport, like I said, from about five years of age. Um, to be able to bring something from a professional aspect um, and contribute to the community, to the sport itself, um, was just really, really enticing. Um, the difference is very much smaller. You know, this is a not-for-profit organisation as opposed to coming from federal government um, and, you know, funded projects and, you know, very um, clear agendas and, and, and goals and KPIs and things like that. Um, I think in sport you've got uh, – it's such a complex environment and there's so many different components and and cogs that have to fit together to operate smoothly Um, and the opportunity to I guess yeah contribute to that understand it from the inside is really really challenging it's still I'm learning every day even in the last six months um, you know what I've learned about how things operate and the opportunities that we do have in front of us to um, continue to grow and develop and streamline and improve our services not only to um, you know metro area but statewide and continue to grow the sport and service the whole state with regards to what the sport has to offer is really exciting but it takes a lot it takes a lot of um, different uh personnel and different um, areas communicating with, you know, your stakeholder groups from right down to your members and your players through to all of your volunteers and all of your clubs and associations. It's really, really complex and and the sport just doesn't, no different to any other community sport, it does not operate without those volunteers Um, and, and they're absolutely critical to, you know, the success of the sport and continuing to get people in and wanting to volunteer their time um, is critical. So um, how we operate is um, that, you know, that's an overarching responsibility of mine and um, it's it's a challenge. It's really, really challenging to meet all the different needs of such a diverse range of um, stakeholders and people and players and then different layers of competitions and, um, yeah, it, it is complex but, um, you know, one thing that stands out for me is um, – 
you know, and people often say to me that, yeah, I'm another basketball tragic and, and we tend to just live and breathe it. And the people in this sport, they live it, they breathe it, they um, put so much time and energy into um, this sport and you just don't do that if you don't love it and you don't see the value and the return on an investment of your time. And I think everyone everyone who's involved sees that um, and gets so much out of the sport. So to be a part of that um, is, yeah, it's really, it's just, I feel really privileged to be in this position and be able to put back into, you know, a sport that really has given me given me heaps and, and um, made me who I am today. So let's talk about this role because it is such a beast of a role. There's so many different moving cogs. There's so many people that you have to deal with. What does your day-to-day look like just so the average fan out there can <laughs> try and wrap their head around it? Is it answering 200 emails? Is it going to 30 meetings a day? I mean, what does it consist of for you? Yeah, um, all of the above. So <laughs> um, if you think about, um, I guess, the areas of responsibility or the departments within Basketball South Australia that I have oversight of include the competitions um, department, so, um, and then there's layers of competitions within that. I oversee the referee framework services, the community services, um, marketing and communication, as well as our high performance area. So, um, depending on what is ever happening in those areas, um, it does involve a high level volume of emails, um, lots of meetings, lots of discussions, um, lots of phone calls. Um, but most importantly, it's about engaging and understanding the needs of the business and um, what we can actually tangibly put in place to forge connections, improve relationships, um, put strategies in place to overall, you know, improve the overall standard and and, um, service that we provide as far as the delivery of basketball. Um, But then, you know, there's also, you know, within each of those departments, there's niche areas. So, you know, how do we build and continue to um, build our competition structures and, you know, how they operate and how they stretch and right through from mini ball right up into our NBA one um, league. So a lot of um, all of those areas have department managers. So I liaise a lot with my department managers. Um, and then within each of those departments, there's various, you know, stakeholder groups and meetings that will get down into the detail. So I guess the easiest way to probably understand my role is that, and I say to my team all the time, I operate from the balcony in that I have to have that bird's eye view of everything that's happening. And I guess make sure that the left hand is talking to the right hand and that those cogs are fitting um, and adjusting and lifting and shifting um, where they need to. Um, so, yeah, and then, you know, also I need to manage up. I report directly to the CEO, Phil Sinnott. Um, so, need to keep him aware of what's happening in the operations space um, and then, um, you know, tie everything together and keep the team, you know, engaged and supported and, um, you know, look to develop the team skills and professional development and, and those sorts of things as well. So, um, it's busy. It's, <laughs> it's challenging, um, but it's really, really rewarding. And the, the team in here at, at House of Basketball are just, you know, really committed to the roles that they all undertake and they all have the same, share the same passion for the sport um, and what everyone gets out of it in the end. So there's, um, there's that, I think, that shared um, understanding and, and value placed on their investment. So you talk about all these these cogs after you talk about the meetings and everything and how you have to make sure the left is talking to the right hand. Is there a certain area that you really love delving into? Are you more of a person who loves the competition side of it and how those structures work? Are you more interested in how the finances are working or even just communication? Is there a certain branch where you go, this is where my specialty lies a little bit? Yeah. And, you know, do you, what, what would you say that is? Um, I think um, – it's the people for me and it's understanding the um, the impact that we have on the end user. That's always got to be 
it's always front of mind for me that everything that we're doing day to day, whether it's trawling through data or, you know, changing a million fixtures that um, happens as a result of, you know, COVID or, you know, other things that throw you away and supporting the, the competitions manager to do that sort of detailed work. At the end of the day, you know that the work that you do is going to impact and have a positive impact on on the people who participate in the competition. Um it might be how do we improve services. Uh, it might be working with, you know, SA country um, counterparts. It's all about improving the sport for those that participate in it. Um, and I think for me, I guess there's no one standout really. I think, you know, the diversity of the role is what in, in engages me. Um, the challenge of, you know, trying to balance all of those different um, priorities and how do you continue to chip away and move forward. Um, it's a real challenge, but that's, you know, I guess that's the competitive side of me and, um, you know, not backing down from a challenge and just trying to support and enable um, the sport to move forward um, and just get the best out of everyone who is, you know, putting in their time and effort as well. For people that might not be familiar with Basketball South Australia and what they actually do as a group, what do you say the goal is of, you know, the brand? Is it just simply to grow basketball or is it just as simple as that or is there more to it? Yeah, I mean, uh, some of our, the, the top, top, you know, strategic goals are to be the sport of choice. You know, that is ultimately what we want as a sport that, you know, we're not a mainstream sport in that we compete with AFL and those sorts of things. So, um, you know, but to be the sport of choice is ultimately what what our main goal is. Um, we want to emb- embrace a diverse community. Um, you know, they're the real um, big goals that we have as an organisation and that stems far wider than, say, the premier district competitions that we run. You know, there's a lot of areas in the community that we – there's so much opportunity to branch into um, supporting our wheelchair association, you know, walking basketball. There's lots of opportunities that um, we're looking to grow and expand not only in our, you know, competitive space but just in general to get people active and get the community engaged Um, and it really is about participation um, and, and, and fun and engagement for everyone but having those pathways for those that choose to take up those pathways. They need to be um, available and accessible to everyone. Um, we need to be supporting clubs, associations statewide to provide that, you know, that different level of participation, whether that just be our domestic or social levels, right through to our high-performance pathways and our premier um, competitions. So, you know, that's the overarching goal is to, I think, provide the options and so participants, families can make those choices. They they can um, juggle sports where we can facilitate that as well. I think gone are the days where kids just play one sport. There's, you know, I think the families out there will absolutely understand. I have three kids. I'm forever running them around to, you know, football, dance and basketball and extracurricular stuff from school. So, you know, you've got to understand the current our community and the current, I guess, ex- expectations of our um, broader community and look to work into the current standards of today. And, um, you know, that's our role as the peak body for basketball. We need to sort of, you know, continue to progress with, you know, society standards and, and look to then, you know, keep basketball in there as that sport of choice. How challenging is that? Because let's admit society's, um, you know, standards change every day and it seems to be getting quicker and quicker now. And we are competing against a multitude of sports and it seems to be getting more and more sports and they're more accessible. So how do you guys adapt really and keep on top of it and, you know, how challenging is that? Yeah, it is really challenging and I think we're just starting to have those types of discussions sort of across uh, codes. Um, You know, I've had recent engagement with the SHAPE 
um, research uh, centre at Flinders. Um, there's a lot of good work happening in, um, in in sporting codes and in community club level in particular. I think um, we do know that kids tend to code hop. They tend to try out different sports now and we really need to um, work with other sports to how do we balance the commitments of our kids? How do we keep kids active in, in multiple sports for longer um, and before they get to that point where they have to make decisions, whether it's because of studying you know, juggling study commitments and multiple sports. So it is a challenge. I think we're at the beginning of that um, journey. I think um, gone are the days where, you know, you have to remain siloed in your own sport. I think there's a lot of us uh, sporting organisations out there. We're all trying to navigate the same pathways. We're all trying to facilitate similar goals, but there's probably a lot of us that uh, have the same athletes that play the same sports. So how do we better work together to um, enable that that code hopping, um, you know, a little bit more effectively? So I think um, there's opportunities for us to do better in that space. Um, I think at the moment, um, you know, we try and do uh, the best we can to listen to our members and, you know, get our competitions and our structures in place the way that they can work most effectively. But at the end of the day, there's always room for improvement. There's always room for feedback. There's always room for consultation and engagement. And that's something that really drives me as well. Um, you know, understanding what the end user uh, is is experiencing out in our in our systems. Um, what are the clubs? Our other all members from all tiers. What are they experiencing as a result of you know how the sport operates and what the services are to them? So um, it's a bit of an ongoing cycle, and I think it'll just be an evolution from here that will just take time. And you're right that we just need to continue to look at what is best practice, what are the best ways of navigating um, the current environment, which is you know different from what it was five years ago, and I'm sure in five years' time it's going to be different again. So um, building those partnerships and those platforms to have those discussions and then build best practice and get them into, into play um, is all that we can try and do and keep forging ahead. So you talk about listening to members, you talk about listening to players and how everything goes. How do you do that? I know that's a pretty obvious question, yeah. but it's something really important. And I think what makes our sport special is that we seem to listen to our members quite frequently mm. where other sports can struggle to do that. May that be their size or just communication has broken down somewhere. So yeah. how do things happen like that? Is it just simple Q&As? Is it feedback forms? I yeah. mean, what is it? I think there's I think there's lots more that we can do in that space. Um, I think all of the, um, you know, there's representative groups and stakeholder groups that represent groups of members that um, we try and actively engage with all of the time, whether that's at club president level, whether that's at the, the club administration level, um, whether that's our external stakeholders holders and trying to have, you know, regular meetings and platforms. Obviously, there's electronic communications. I think, you know, just anecdotal feedback is really, really important as well. Just speaking to members, like I'm a parent, I've got kids involved in multiple sports. So, you know, you get anecdotal feedback through clubs. You know, it is a sport where the connections are quite they're quite strong in that um, we know and we understand, you know, how people operate and, you know, people reach out frequently. There isn't a closed door. There is a very, um, there's a high level communication that happens. We can get better at it. We can do more surveying. We can do more, um, you know, open information nights, you know, those types of things. They're all on the agenda as far as getting that real, I'm very evidence-based in how I operate too. I want the data. I want a really good sample size of, you know, of families to reply to this survey, you know, that's the best sort of evidence and response to sort of give that indication of, of how members are uh, are actually experiencing the service. So 
it's it's got to be a combination of, of things, but at the end of the day, it's got to be consistent as well. And you've got to keep coming back and having those discussions and being prepared to be flexible and change your approach is something that is really important moving forward. So, you know, you don't need to put things in place and be rigid with that and think that that's the, that's the way it's going to be. You've got to respond to feedback. You've got to roll something out and then see how it happens on the ground and then be prepared to move it based on that feedback or based on, you know, the outcomes that, that you then have as a result of rolling something out. So, you know, that can, that can be challenging in itself because you're constantly adjusting and adapting. Um, but it, it's important, especially in, in sport, it, there's, it's fast paced and things move all the time. Circumstances change and, and we need to be able to um, adjust and adapt. So, you know, you can do your best you can. Nothing is permanent in my book. Um, you know, nothing can be und- that can't be undone or, you know, mitigated through being open to change and open to feedback. So, um, you know, that's the first step um, always in, in my book. So would you say being flexible is the most important thing that almost anyone can learn that going into these admin or operations roles, would you say? Yeah, being flexible, being open to feedback, being open to put yourself in the shoes of others and and genuinely understand their experiencing and their real truth because, you know, it might be different from yours, uh, it might be different from other clubs or other member groups, but it is their real truth at that point in time as a result of whatever it is that you're talking about and you need to genuinely understand that. It might not be that you can make changes that are addressed that specifically, but you can certainly factor that in moving forward or you can simply um, appreciate that it was an unintended consequence or it was an unintended benefit and it was, you know, absolute positives that come out of something that you didn't plan for as well. So, I think it's it, it's about being open to feedback and open to um, the fact that, you know, intentions or initial plans to, you know, structure a competition a certain way or roll out a, you know, a training camp a certain way, um, they may not go the way as planned, um, but that's okay. And you learn like every opportunity, every experience, every conversation I have is an opportunity to learn. It learn who that individual is, learn what that impact was, didn't see that coming. Okay, that's good, good feedback. Thanks for that. You know, it is about being flexible and open. Um, because you will learn and you will grow. You talk about learning and uh, having to adapt and all that. Has there been one day when you went, that was a big lesson to learn, that was the most important maybe thing you had to learn? Was there a day or a moment that you went, okay, that was a big lesson? Every day is a moment <laughs> like that. It really is. I think um, I think it's just, um, I think what I learned early on is that there is so much knowledge and expertise in this area but they, but they come from their experience. And I guess my role is to see that feedback and pitch it in the big picture, in that statewide context, in that broad strategic direction that we're trying to head in for the greater good of the sport. Um, so it, it is about taking things into perspective and moving forward and just keeping an open mind um, in relation to, you know, whatever is in front of you. And and that consultation is so important. It's so important to understand the, the as many views and opinions as you can um, to make informed decisions moving forward. So you talk about listening to opinions and a lot of communication. So people are obviously really important. And I can hear the passion in your voice for the people that are here in our sport. 
what make them so special? I mean, I know you talk about they're so passionate, but can you explain it? Because it, it feels different here. Because it's a smaller sport, we are not one of the mainstream sports at the moment, mm. but they work hard to try and make it one. So um, what makes them so special? Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting question because um, everyone that I've probably had anything to do with in basketball, they have the greater good of the sport in mind. They have the the whole athlete in mind as far as, well, that's been my experience. I guess it's not just about winning or losing. I think the people um, that I've had dealings with in basketball understand all of the benefits that come out of um, sport for an individual, that it's not just about winning or losing. Um, You know, sport, basketball in particular, probably is where I learnt to lead. It's where I learnt to be a leader. Um, You know, playing a point guard role, that is your job. Um, But you have mentors that they want to pass on that that those skills to you. They want to, um, you know, teach you the bigger picture. And there's the, those different roles within basketball. They're really quite unique and they're, they're quite individual. So, you know, people involved in the sport, I think, just understand that, you know, the things don't happen in our sport without, and it's, and it's not just our sport. Most sports don't happen without that real teamwork element. But I think basketball people just tend to commit to more um, than just that team environment. It's far broader. The community of basketball is just, it extends far beyond who you are as an individual and who you are as a team. Um, you've often got, you know, sister and brother teams because I think I think that's the other unique thing about the sport from very young age. I think AW, like AFL is now starting to get that male and female exactly the same sport happening. So basketball has always had that and I think that was always a big draw card and that community aspect that 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 the sport offers straight off the bat is that you've got your brother and sister team and you you travel together and you you're competing against the same teams and you're playing the same game and that's that sense of I guess team and who you're representing it's really evident from the start and that camaraderie is is it's extended from the team environment immediately all clubs have it everyone puts on their singlet with pride they know that it's not just them that they're representing um, I think that tends to be very basketball specific for me so obviously there's a lot of reward of course you were talking about how we open it up to the community we open up opportunities and stuff like that so what's been the most rewarding moment of your career so far in this role where you know what has been that one day when this is why I love doing this job oh I don't know if I could limit it to this job it's more this sport you know last year I was coaching and, you know, seeing a girl get to the foul line for the first time and the look, she looked over to her mum and that was, you know, it's like that's why you coach, you know, that's why you get involved in this sort of sport. I think um, if I think about the role, you know, it is about seeing, I think the most rewarding thing in this role is seeing the commitment from those in the administration team, seeing the commitment and the passion for wanting this sport to be the best that it can be and knowing that there's so much um potential there for it um, and everyone just starting to really find their niche, not dissimilar to the roles on a basketball court where you've got your bigs and your smalls and your power forwards and your point guards. Everyone's got that unique role to play um, and I think the most rewarding part for me in the last sort of six, seven months is just seeing that unfold, I guess, before my eyes in, in a way, just to people really taking hold of of the part that they, they can play in building the sport and making it bigger than what it is. So, I mean, it's really interesting in your journey. I mean, there's the the playing career and then now we've got the admin role, which has only been going for six months. So, I guess where's the link in that? I mean, there is a bit of an unknown for people that may not know you. Can can you explain that, how you got from one to the other? What's the journey like? Yeah. Yeah, like I said, I did start 
uh, sport young, but it was probably 12 or 13 when I got into basketball, um, as I mentioned, had some um, yeah, opportunities in the, in the combined space, worked through to um, SA Country and, you know, had that experience in being able to go to, you know, Albury Wodonga and, you know, experience that for the first time, country kid on the, uh, you know, going away representing, you know, SA Country. Um, moved to Adelaide. So you generally do that from the country. People come to uni and you move to Adelaide and, you know, then I needed to try and find basketball down here and, um, you know, I was lucky enough to know people down here. I I played a bit at Centrals under Ted Powell for a while. Um, You know, that was incredible to have to be under somebody of of that calibre. Then uh, followed some other coaches and things from Piri um, out to West Adelaide and played there for a while, coached under under 18s there for a while um, and just, I guess, found, that 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 extension of basketball and the experience in in Port Piri was exactly the same um, here in Adelaide. Um, and then you know as that sort of was happening, you know was building a career in in the background and building a career um, in in government services. So the skill set was being built outside of uh, the sport, but the exposure to the sport, I guess, and um, understanding it as a player and as a coach in in the district system, I think, is where that real link. Um, now is that, you know, I'm now, you know, operations manager for a sport that I had the privilege of playing in. And so, you know, I do understand it from a playing perspective. Um, I've coached, you know, domestic and and district the last few years. I, you know, started coaching when I was 15. So I have had uh, a lot of exposure in the sport. And I guess the sport has given me a lot of opportunities to grow and develop. Um, You know, it, it did provide me with mentors and guardians that I perhaps wasn't getting in in my, you know, nucleus, family nucleus. So, you know, it's given me so much um, probably to a point where I'm just absolutely thrilled to give back to it um, because it really has, um, I think I touched on before, it's where I learnt to lead. It's where I learnt, you know, strong connections and how to work as a team and, you know, how to really strive to achieve something that's bigger than you uh, in a team environment. So, you know, it saved me in a lot of ways and now to be in a position where I can um, look to nurture the sport and and make it, um, you know, grow into, you know, its absolute potential is is an absolute privilege. So, um, yeah, to combine that, that professional and um passion for the sport and give back is is really exciting. We should really talk about NBL 1 as well. It's a, a relatively new league of what has come in and it's boomed really from the get-go. It's mm. had great coverage. It's, we're getting fans to it. I mean, what have your thoughts been on NBL 1? Has it been a success? Has it got so much r- more room to grow? Because that's I must admit, that's how I've seen it. Mm. But, I mean, what's your personal opinion? Well, my personal opinion, I think it's fantastic. And I have young kids that play the sport and for them, they can see that pathway. It is tangible. They can reach out, touch it, see those players in their club colours and they just love it. And I know that that's, you know, that's that's something that I think is echoed through a lot of families that, that I've certainly had to deal with. So I think... The, having those um, that pathway, those immediate sort of role models there that are training on the same courts, shooting at the same hoops, you know, that's a fantastic thing for our grassroots, um, you know, pathways and our, you know, our district clubs, kids to just aspire to. Um, and, and it starts to showcase, you know, just what we can achieve here in South Australia. We are one of the smaller conferences. Um, but, you know, the way that you know, I've been to plenty of games and the way that those athletes conduct themselves and get out and, you know, give everything on the court, um, you know, is something that 
you know, more and more eyes are on them, more and more juniors are wanting to play like those players. So I think, um, I think you know, we're just at the beginning of that journey and I think um, it, it's, it's, it's certainly got the exposure and, and I can't see that um, doing anything but growing from here. So lots of opportunities, uh, lots, of, lots of levels, I think, um, will, will come from NBL1. I guess it might be an obvious question, but how is that league going to improve? Because it is in its infancy and you talk about coverage and everything. Where do you see that improvement coming? Because, I mean, seriously, the sky is the limit for that thing. Yeah. The amount of, um, I think you really touched on it. The, the fact that you can see from a young kid, this is how I'm going to get into this pathway. I can represent this club for a long time as mm. well and then eventually get into the big leagues as yeah. well. It's the perfect pathway almost. Yeah, it is. And I think a lot of that will be driven by the clubs. You know, the clubs, they all have just as you know, many passionate people that want to see that league be just as successful as it can be. They want to see, you know, their own, um, you know, homegrown talent, you know, performing at that level, um, you know, and see that investment that, that some of their kids and some of those those players have, you know, come through those clubs' junior ranks and are a real product of their own, um, you know, development. So, you know, I think the clubs will, um, you know, continue to evolve at that level. Um, and I think the more that, you know, people can put up their hand and 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 help volunteer, particularly um, on NBL One Nights for those clubs, it is a huge undertaking um, for for clubs to put those those game nights on. Um, so the more parents and, and family and friends, especially if your kids love watching those games, then put your hand up. If you're going to be there anyway, then put your hands up and ask your club what, what jobs need to be done around the venues and, and really back, you know, the community spirit that, that you start to see and feel in those, those clubs because, um, yeah, there's a lot to come from that and, and, and a lot of really good examples to be set for those junior players as well. So um, I think, you know, the sky's the limit, like you said, um, and I think each club will make it, make it their own. For the sport in general, what's the biggest thing that needs to be done in your view? I mean, because, I mean, this is a, a national um, issue as well. We're trying to make it more mainstream. Yeah. What's the biggest thing that the sport needs to do to get to that level of mainstream? Is it more facilities? Is it more resources? Yeah. Is it more funding or is it a mix of everything? Yeah, I think probably, you know, easy answer is a mix of everything. I think, um, you know, facilities um, and being able to resource uh, referees in particular, um, they're two big issues. Um, for me, what is very front of mind is the behaviour management framework that we've launched here in um, Adelaide. Um, and that's designed to, I guess, just create some awareness about the sideline behaviour that occurs in our sport. Um, I think the NBA is um, not necessarily our best friend when it comes to setting the <laughs> example for um, the culture that we want within our sport. But, you know, our sport is very unique. It has a lot of um, dialogue between coaches, players, referees, and that can sometimes perhaps not be as constructive and positive as, as it could be. And and that's that's what I think we need to change in order to get uh, far more people wanting to come into this sport and referee our games and, you know, take on those volunteer roles and put your hand up to coach those teams. That's what we need I think, in our sport. And if we can get that right um, throughout our competitions here in Adelaide and then, you know, provide that framework for, you know, whole of state, you know, associations and clubs who want to take, you know, the parts of that framework that they can apply to their competitions, then I think the sport in itself will be in a much more healthy position um, to promote then the success and the achievements of the on-court um, teams and athletes. Um, so that's something that's something I'm very passionate about and look forward to seeing sort of transpire over the next 12 months or so. 
It's a rather serious question, this one, but it's something that we think is really important to be brought up on this podcast ever since Vanessa Devlin mentioned it and, you know, really, you know, was able to answer this question and really dive into it. How hard is it to be a woman in basketball? Because it's something that I never understand, but I think it's something that a society really needs to understand. And the more understanding that we can get, the more we can help. So can it be difficult? I guess for me, it's again, I I touched on perspective earlier. So when I think of the word hard and difficult, I think, you know, living on the poverty line is difficult and hard. And, you know, living in, you know, family and domestic violence situations, that stuff's hard. So I think it's it can be challenging, but I think it's more so notable to me that if I, you know, have I walked into a boardroom and been the only female? Yes, I have. Have I jumped onto a Zoom meeting and had a sea of male faces in front of me? Yes, I have. Do I look at my administration contact lists and my list of, say, presidents? Is there a disproportionate number of male and female in those groups? Yes. Um, so it is challenging to get the balance right and it is about having that female perspective and that um, that voice in in all areas of our sport in a balanced way. So I think what's challenging is the noticeable difference and lack of, you know, I guess female participation in some of those administrative areas um, or more senior areas um, and it is something we need to address and I guess um, – you know, I think about all the mums out there who are just incredible home runners. Um, but I sort of think, you know, if you've got a family and you're running that household and you've got in-laws, then, you know, you've got two of the most fundamental skills in communications and stakeholder management that you can bring to, you know, community sports, to basketball clubs. And, you know, I, you know, I think there's a lot lot to be offered from, you know, our, and, and our parents in general, but our mums in particular, they juggle a lot and they've got, um, they have a different perspective. Women have a different perspective um, on sport and on operations and on management. And we just need to make sure that that voice is heard and that that view is is balanced in perspective with every other view um, that, that, you know, is is required to to make our sport operate. So, yeah, I guess that's more a personal thing that I challenge, challenge uh, the word difficult and hard, it is it is noticeable and it's something that we need to uh, put a dent in. What can society do to help with these issues? I mean, I mean, you've you explained it really well. It's looking at how we look at it as a perspective, you know, and mm. just even when you talk about going onto Zoom meetings and all the, all these faces are at you, is it like just gender, um, you know, targets that we need to get? Yeah. Is it just more things like that? Is it more the opening the discussion to having these like tough conversations? Yeah. What is it for you? I think um, for me, you know, we need our, our male counterparts to be driving the same messages and recognising where there are gender imbalances and that it is about getting a balance. It's not about having a, an all-female you, you know, view on female participation because that defeats the purpose. You know, there are a lot of dads out there that I've got young daughters now and, you know, they're, they're, they have a view about what they want for their daughters and what they want their experience to be like. You know, they're the voices that we need to champion, you know, female contributions to, um, you know, basketball in general. And, you know, in all areas, whether that's, you know, team managing, whether that's coaching, whether that's, you know, being involved in committees or, or whatever it might be, having clubs look around their, their you know, committees and their structure and just having a look, what is our gender balance? Do we have all of our, you know, key groups represented um, as well as we could be? And if we don't, you know, and some people just waiting for a tap on the shoulder. 
Some people are just asking for, you know, can you do you have an extra few hours on a weekend to do X, Y, and Z? And I think, um, you know, understanding understanding the demographic within your clubs, understanding what other skill sets, what do people bring to the table, what do they do in their day jobs? And you only get that from having a discussion and listening to to people's, um, you know, insights. Everyone's got a story to tell and you don't know what that story is until you actually um, ask the question. And, you know, I think a lot of people are absolutely willing to help and they just need to have that, you know, question asked. Whereas I think sometimes we sit back and we wait for people to put their hands up and volunteer. You've explained it really well, I think, because basketball addresses so many issues within our society. But when it comes to the crux of it, why should people go and be a part of the basketball, whether that be a coach, whether that be a player, a volunteer, a fan, what does it come down to for you? I think it's community. I think um, the basketball community is is interconnected. Um, you know, I just have to think about my experience growing up and, you know, grew up in Port Pirie and played and, you know, I was lucky enough to represent, you know, SA country and did lots of things in the country um, element and through Port Pirie. I'm now in Adelaide, you know, my kids are playing in the district system. The amount of people that I see from my playing days, the amount of people that you just see because you played carnivals with and now your kids are playing against each other and, you know, this coach over there has now got grandkids playing. Like the the community and the passion, it's handed down in generations and, you know, that interconnectivity within the basketball community is it's really um, quite extraordinary that and the more I just continue to run into people um, where the original connection was basketball so you know it, people will stay in for life so if you get involved um, I think you can be guaranteed that you know there is longevity in the relationships that you invest in in the club that you invest in um, you know all of the things that come with sport with your kids, you know, making connections outside of perhaps their school circles um, and, you know, being involved in um, building clubs and communities and, and you know, that's what it's all about for me. And I think um, I think just basketball intrinsically um, enables that and facilitates that for some reason. Basketball tragedy, you know, it is a real thing and people just, um, they commit to it for life. And I guess... For anyone wanting to get into your side of things in, with the admin operations, what would be your biggest tip? Because it can sometimes be a minefield. It can be completely different from what they're used to. What would your biggest tip be to them? Um, a volunteer, like get involved. I think, um, you know, it is different. Administra- club administration, there's a lot of work and, and grunt work that needs to go on behind the scenes. There is a lot of administrative um, processing and, you know, forms and registrations and fixture work. And there's a lot of detail work that needs to happen. There's also, you know, a lot of organisation that needs to happen. There's data analytics that needs to happen. There's, there is a real range of, um, you know, skills and opportunities for people that maybe like the administrative stuff but maybe don't want to get into corporate world. Um, there, there are a lot of different roles that you can, um, I guess, get involved in. So I guess my, my advice would be to volunteer, get involved in your club, what are the things that you can, um, you know, help out with, um, you know, those sorts of things. And then, you know, there's obviously um, a lot of, you know, sport-specific type qualifications and, you know, those things at uni and TAFE and all of those sorts of things that you can do as well. Um, So they're absolutely um, critical to, you know, they they will put you in a good place. But I think the more you expose yourself to the environment, then the more familiar you get and then um, understanding the sport is a bonus. I think that's the other thing from my perspective. Um, I I have the benefit of of knowing and growing up in the sport and so being able to combine a professional skill set that I developed outside of the sport um, has just been, uh, I guess, a win-win for me. 
We've gone through all the serious ones, but I think we should end it off with some just some light ones. I mean, because we've we've learned a lot, but obviously there's you as a person as well and all this. And I guess we should start off. I mean, who is your WNBA team? Is do you have an NBA team even? Who is the team that you love supporting? Is it the local ones down here, or is there just a whole range of teams that you love watching? Yeah, I, I'm local for me. I don't like my kids follow um, the um, you know NBA and WNBA a little bit. Um, that's increasing now. I am more local. I have loved seeing um, the, the NBA one in particular, um, and just following um, yeah the progress and and the profile in that in that space. Um, yeah, I'm a bit of a, a bit of a local girl and tend to stay close to home. What what team would it be in the NBL one, or is the operations manager not allowed to have? Yeah, a certain I'm club? neutral. I'm neutral. <laughs> I love them all, and I no, I do love seeing them all all play. It is it is the success of the sport, and as there is, it's it's seeing athletes having that opportunity to start to perform and have those expectations at that semi professional level. Um, it, it's just you know, I'd, I'd take my under twelve girls out there to watch the NBL one because what they learn from just being out there and seeing and, you know, I took my daughter out to a lightning game and then seeing her back in the yard practising her form because she just was blown away by the form of those girls, like they can't underestimate the influence that they have on those young girls. Can the lightning go all the way this season? They have performed extremely well and lately they've just been winning so much. Can they go all the way this year? Yes, I think they can. They've certainly got the potential. I think um, they're a really exciting team to watch. Um, so, yeah, I think um, anything's possible um, and they'll, they'll give it a good hard crack, I reckon. Who was your basketball inspiration? Who was my basketball inspiration? Wow. Oh, I immediately come back to like the Port Perry Panther girls that I started with. Honestly, there's, you know, I could just yell out Spud and Mickey and, you know, there, there's a couple of people that they'll know who they are. Um, you know, John Gillies was a huge influence in my basketball career as far as stretching and setting the standards for what's required um, of a, an individual athlete and, and teams and, and what's required to perform. So, um, yeah, they, they're probably a couple of standouts. How important is Port Perry to you? I mean, obviously there is the history that you've had there. How important is that town to you or in the club? Um, yeah, a lot of history there. Um, good and good and bad. Um, good and bad memories from from Port Perry. So, um, yeah, I, it wasn't. It's it's an interesting question. It's a mixed response from me. Um, you know, lots of sporting involvement and lots of. Um, opportunities but probably they hid a lot of other things going on in the home life so I didn't you know my dad was an alcoholic and and you know didn't perhaps treat my my mum um all that well so there was a lot of things that went on in that town that um really made me who I am and sport probably saved me from from a lot of things as well and basketball in particular I think I talked about um that family and those role models that that I just got off the bat so you know basketball gave me an outlet gave me somewhere to want to be, um, and that was that was yeah really important growing up in that sort of environment um, and having the opportunities to grow and and you know aspire to be better better than you know what I was the day before was um, yeah something I'll ever forever be grateful for and the people that I connected with at Port Perry and Port Perry basketball in particular um, as I said I've, I've ran into them even in in this role. Um, yeah, they've been instrumental in who I am today. So very grateful for that that experience in that town and Port Perry proud, as they say down there, <laughs> up there. 
What would you say to someone that might be experiencing that? I mean, you talk about your father and the horrible experience. What would you say to that person, you know, how to improve themselves or in that area or how to just improve the yep. environment around them? Is there yeah. any advice you'd give to them? Yeah, I think that's I think that's the real that's the benefit of sport and sometimes you're never going to know the impact that sport has had on people unless you sit down and, and listen to their story. So, you know, people, there are so many people in underprivileged environments, you know, living on or under the poverty line and you would have no idea. People that grew up with me would have had no idea that that was my experience um, at home and that's the benefit of sport. So my advice to anyone in those sorts of situations is reach out, you know, connect with your club sports or your school sports, um, you know, reach out and find those other communities because they will embrace you and you will find those other, you know, role models that, you know, can lead you, mentor you, um, show you a different normal. Um, and I think just to, and it might not be sport, it might be something else, but I think the key is to, you know, reach out and, um, and, and not feel like you need to deal with things alone and confide in the people around you. And what's the best game you've ever been to at any level? Is there one that stands out and say that was the most amazing game I've ever seen? Oh, gosh. Um, oh, there's too many that come to mind. Um, oh, there was – I must admit, my son um, – my son's – had a prelim last year and it went into double overtime and, you know, it was just one of those games. And I think the thing that um, it was under 14s and, you know, and it, double overtime in any situation is pretty, pretty incredible. But I think the one thing that grabbed me was actually the referees after the second, when it was the second overtime, even they sort of flopped down in it like, you know, they were exhausted as well and couldn't believe it was going in. And it was just one of those, you know, moments where everyone involved in that game um, absolutely enjoyed the experience, the, the, you know, the excitement for what it was. And, you know, the two teams got in a huddle afterwards, you know, um, and that was just, it was brilliant to see. So, you know, to see the kids, um, experience that level of excitement and close, you know, competition was, um, yeah, it was really, really wonderful. And then the refs themselves were just in, you know, in, in exactly the same element from their perspective. So, yeah, that, that was only last year. So that, that comes to mind. Well, Jackie, what an interview this has been. Seriously, we have learned so much about Basketball South Australia. We've learned so much about the sport in general, the rewards it can give to people, the challenges that it face. And I think it's been really eye-opening, and that's what I love about it. And you've been honest with it. We can sometimes, in these sort of interviews in other spaces, we may not get honesty, but I love how honest you are and that you're willing to work through these things, through the problems and everything. And I can't thank you for enough for coming on to this podcast. I've really enjoyed this chat, and I think it's really going to benefit some people going, you know, wanting to learn more about basketball, people, you know, who want to join basketball. So I can't thank you enough for your time today. No, you're welcome. It's been great. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Females in Basketball podcast. We will see you next time. I've been your host, Braden Green, and I was joined by my technical producer, Ashley McFadden. This was a Smash 9 production. Tune in next time. This was a Smashed Gnome production.